Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of Third Degree Burn uh, in celebration of Pride Month. I am joined by John Hyatt. Hello. And Kirk Greenfield. Hi, guys. And we wanted to do a, a you know, not burn related, but um, a LGBTQ um, comic book or graphic novel, whatever you want to call it, um, and, and talk about one because it, it is a a growing segment uh, within comic books, uh, as I'm sure many of you have read, that comics are becoming more diverse. They are trying to reach more people, um, and they're trying to tell different kinds of stories than what may have been available, you know, 10, 20, even 30 years ago. And today we're going to talk about one of those books, um, which was a comicsology original um, called or titled Youth. Uh, by Kurt Pyers and Alex, what do you think, John, Diodo? Yeah, I think Diodo, Diodo, something like that. And so this uh, originally debuted on Comixology as a digital um, first series. Uh, it's four issues. They uh, Comixology partnered with Dark Horse, and Dark Horse published the trade paperback, which came out um, late March of this year. Uh, just in time for uh, uh, Pride Month, and uh, they, al they also included a nice little um, bonus, which was the uh, signed uh, book plate. If you ordered the trade paperback, and we still have a few copies that come with that signed book plate, uh, which you know I don't know how often you've ever seen a book plate, but I like them. They're cool. Thank you. Yeah, they are. Um, we've been seeing that a little bit more and more at, at the comic ferrets um, as, uh, you know, publishers are trying to, you know, uh, hype up different releases. Um, they'll do things like this every so often. They'll do a signed book plate, and uh, youth came with a signed book plate uh, that you can then stick inside the front cover of your uh, uh, copy of youth, which is signed by the creators, and gives it something a little extra. Uh, but I'll set the stage here for um, youth. Uh, it is, uh, what would you say, about 160, 170 pages, something, something like that? Yeah, something like that. It's not a very long read. It's, it only took me about an hour. It's a nice read, actually. It is. It is. It, it takes about an hour. Um, of course, I was stopping to take some notes, and, you know, I've got the kiddos, so I get distracted every once in a while. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I'll give you the solicit as it was uh, presented to to me because I had not heard of this series as uh, someone that doesn't read many, you know, digital comics unless it's, you know, something from Marvel Unlimited or DC Infinite. Uh, and typically those are classic issues, right? Something that, you know, you're not just going to find in a back issue bin, right? They're expensive stuff or hard to find. Um, but the solicit read, um, Youth is Larry Clark's Kids Meets Chronicle. X-Men by way of Frank Ocean. It smashes together the violence of coming of age with the violence of the superhero narrative as well as the beauty. Uh, it goes on to say, Youth is a coming of age story that tells the story of two queer teenagers as they run away from their lives in a bigoted small town and attempt to make their way to California. Along the way, their car breaks down and they join up with a group of fellow misfits on the road. Embarking together in a van traveling the country, they party and attempt to find themselves, and then something happens. And that is a good setup. Um, 
sometimes I find some of the most interesting things to read are stuff that you don't have any any background or connection to, right? You just kind of go in blind. I think so too. Um, you get sometimes it's just someone sends you something or they they enjoy it or whatever, and it's not that's happened to a lot to me in this. Uh, graphic novel book club that I've been in for the last few years where these some of these books I would never even think to pick up on myself and and then I'm reading it for this book club and it's like wow I'm really surprised this is actually really good <laughs> it's really interesting yeah and, and it is a nice departure I, I read a fair amount of independent stuff um, you know I like the break from superhero stories even though this is a it, it kind of, I would call it more of a, you know, slice of life. People get powers mm -hmm. and what they do with it. Um, but I had no preconceived notions going into this other than when I read the solicit, I thought, oh, this is interesting. You know, I'll order some for the store. Um, they have sold fairly well, not, you know, like a fast clip like you would expect with like a Marvel or DC but they've they've uh, they've sold fairly well, and I think part of that is because of word of mouth, right? People pick it up, they read it, and go, "Oh, you know, this is pretty good," and they tell other people. So uh, that's kind of where I came from. It sounds like you know that's where John came from, uh, you know, coming into this. So it was just a blind read, right? like, "Oh, here's this book. Let's take a look at it." Um, I should first start before we get into the story. Uh, this is not your uh, I'm trying to not say this is not negative, but it's not the top tier or house style art that you get from a Marvel or DC. Is that fair, John? Yeah, it's very. Um, it's not. <laughs> it, it's not. It's what you see a lot in a lot of independent books and and books that are designed to be graphic novels. I've seen lately. Yeah, it's enough to tell the story, but if you're looking for that really detailed, you know, kind of that John Byrne style art, it's not in this. And I and I don't think it's the colorist because when you look at the the art itself, um, it's not very detailed. Mm -hmm. uh, which is not a bad thing. It's just you know not the house style that you would find from a Marvel or a DC um, or even like an image book, right? Like if there's a uh, banner issue or banner, banner title image book, the art tends to be very detailed. This is very loose, um, just enough to tell the story, and most of it is set at night. And that led to some confusion from me when you know, certain characters were doing things. I was like, who is that again? <laughs> um, you know, and you'd have to pause for a minute. But uh, um, overall, the art does a good job of telling the story or supporting you know, the narrative that we're reading um, throughout these issues. But uh, I would definitely not say that this is a book that the art carries it. The story definitely carries, you know, the written word carries the story. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know that I agree entirely with that. I, I found a lot of stuff in the art that helped me tell the story mm. that was nice without the words. And I think it was just the the pacing and the the angles that kind of helped out and uh, I I kind of like this I don't know if it's abstract it's almost Andy Warhol-ish in a way isn't it <laughs> it is yeah yeah a little 
uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I kind of found that um, I was kind of glad there wasn't a lot of text to bog me down. Um, I felt I almost sometimes skipped the introduction pages where it had. <laughs> I, I didn't, but I almost did. I was just like, oh, you know, I just want to get to the story. <laughs> See, again, everybody's experience with the written word or graphic novel, right, is different. Um, so, yeah, so uh, we'll get. How many pages of introduction are there? Just one. Oh, okay. There's just one each chapter. So, uh, you know, kind of set the stage. So we are. Uh, each chapter has a one page uh, narrator's commentary kind of setting you up for what's going to happen, you know, in the subsequent issue. And you don't know until the end of the book who it is that's talking uh, of our, our group that we follow throughout youth. Um, it's at the very end that you figure out, mm -hmm. okay, this is who it is that's been telling, tell, you know, telling the story to us. I thought it was somebody different. So did I. And, and no spoilers, you know, or we will, we'll get there. So if you, if you want to read it, don't, don't listen to the end. But, <laughs> um, so youth opens up and, uh, we are introduced to our, our two main characters. There are, a, there is a supporting cast in this, but we're introduced to Frank and River. And River, uh, to me, and, uh, I'll be curious to hear John's take. River to me is that suburban kid who doesn't feel like he's understood, doesn't feel like he's listened to, um, is obviously, um, as we find out through the, the, the story, he's, he's gay, um, or at least we're led to believe that he's gay. Maybe, um, he's bi or, or something else, but seems like he's gay. Um, he does not get along with his stepfather. In fact, this is the first or second page that we see with him, he punches him out, um, and takes off and we also are introduced to frank now frank um on the surface you would think he would be kind of the the more outrageous out there one because he has green hair and uh you know he's but he's very articulate um the, the introduction scene with him is he's getting you know dressed down by a customer he works at a burger joint mm -hmm. um and this person says horrible things to him and he remain, you know, contains his, you know, keeps his composure for the, the majority of this guy's diatribe, you know, on how much he sucks basically. And, um, yeah, so that's our introduction to the, to the two of them. Uh, like I said, river punches out his stepfather. Frank does end up punching out <laughs> the customer who says these horrible things to him and quits his job. What do you think of that as an introduction, John, to these these two? You know, I thought it set the tone for their characters very quickly, and uh, I, I kind of like Frank's interchange with his boss. You know, uh, <laughs> what does he say? He's like, "We work in a burger joint, man. You ain't." <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. Yeah, his supervisor, his not even his boss, is his supervisor. That's all. Man, I'm yeah. ordering you around. It's just like, wow, man. <laughs> yeah, so Frank, we're, you know, we're trying not to do a page by page, but when we're introduced to Frank, Frank is outside smoking a cigarette. He's on his break, and the boss comes out and is is saying, you need to get back to work. There's customers, and Frank tells him, you know, he's got 10 more minutes on his break. You know, you go make the burgers yourself, and the manager tells him, you know, well, that's beneath me. That's why I have you. Mm -hmm. And uh, like John said, that's where Frank says, yeah, no. You're a manager at a burger joint. You ain't anything. 
Yeah. <laughs> Go make them yourself. Yeah, and I like the the side by side storytelling that it did to introduce us to both of those, and then we flip over and we get this beautiful color two pages of uh, of the two of them sitting on a cliff looking at a sun sunset. You know, um, yeah, I thought it was a good introduction to them. I, I kind of figured out right away uh, what they were like. I mean, we've all seen people like this, so it doesn't take a lot anymore to try to figure it out. We can do it kind of with shorthand. Yeah, and I did like the fact that, you know, we we get kind of their – they both have their own struggles but in different ways, but it has brought them together. Um, we learn more about how they met and their backstory later, um, but we're, you know, like John said, we're introduced to them together sitting overlooking the ocean you know they're sitting on a cliffside and they're talking and uh you know this is uh it leads right into the next kind of talking point which is they decide they've had enough of this town um between river being beat down constantly it seems like emotionally not physically from his stepdad and frank being on you know uh, i don't want to say the fringe of society but he, he definitely is has uh not happy with his place in the world. And before I go to the next part, how old do you think River and Frank are? Because I, you know, without giving anything away later, it seems like at first I thought maybe they were in high school, but I think maybe they were like a a freshman or sophomore in college or something. I wasn't sure. I kind of thought maybe like seniors in high school. Oh. Um, they didn't seem too young, but they also didn't, I didn't, because there's that one scene where they're walking through a hall with all the lockers, that made me right. think high school, not not college. Yeah, and I bring this up because there's there's parts in this book that we'll talk about that I originally thought that they were high schoolers, you know, to, to what John said, that maybe they were seniors, but some of the stuff they do, I'm like, man, I never would have done that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at that age. Um and, you know, obviously a lot of this is environment, but anyway, we'll go on. So um, Frank and River decide that they've had enough of this town and they're going to leave. And River says, you know what, because I hate my stepdad so much, let's steal his classic Mustang. Looks like, you know, like a 66 Mustang. Um, and they're just going to go to California. They got no money, but they're just going to go. And off they go. They steal the stepdad's Mustang and they're on the road. Now it's not too long before a problem a problem arises and the Mustang gets a flat. And they limp the Mustang to a Walmart and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do because neither one of them has any money, uh which kind of made me think in my head for a second like, well, how are you going to pay for gas? That that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, <laughs> you have no money to fix a flat tire. What are we going to do when you got ran out of gas? <laughs> Yeah, so clearly this is just used as like a storytelling <laughs> component. Um, but this, so they get a flat, they're sitting in this Walmart parking lot, and in the background in the panels we see that there's a van and some other kids hanging out. Um, uh, I think it's Kurt that comes up to them and says, hey, you got a spare tire? You know, I used to work, uh, or my dad worked in a shop or something like that. You know, I can change your tire for you. And they don't. They don't have a spare tire. And so um, they're introduced to the other characters in her story. So we, we meet Kurt first and then Jan and Trixie. 
And as you would expect, um, all three of them are kind of misfits. You know, they are um, in that, you know, teenage years where they're trying to figure themselves out as we find out through the course of the story, but they don't, they don't look like your suburban teenager. Mm-hmm. So uh, as, uh, as they discuss the situation, they decide that the best alternative, since they don't have any money for a, a, uh, uh, to get the tire fixed, they're just going to burn the stepdad's car down. And they torch this classic Mustang, which as a Mustang person, you know, watching this Mustang get torched in the <laughs> parking lot of a Walmart for no reason other than it had a flat tire was a little hard. Yeah. Um, but I think it just shows their emotional state, right? Like, you know, the heck with it. You know, we'll just burn it to the ground. It failed us, so bye-bye. And the fact that they're not thinking of any consequences for the future, because, first of all, it's stolen, so now they've destroyed it. I mean, stepdad is not going to let them get away with it, so at some point it will catch up. But that's youth for you, right? Yep, and that's exactly what I was saying earlier, that, you know, some of the things that they do, I'm like, you know, like, I don't want to say clutching my pearls, but like... Clutching your pearls. (laughs) Yeah, you know, they just torch this car, it's like... Why don't you just lock it up and leave? Yeah, just leave it in the parking lot. You don't. Have, why do you got to burn it? But why would the uh, Why would the stepdad know that they had taken it? Um, I would imagine with River gone, that would be the right. first suspect. Yep. Okay. I just wondered because a Mustang sitting in a Walmart parking lot a couple of hours away with a flat tire wouldn't necessarily, to me, link to the main characters. You know, it could have been, hey, somebody stole my car. Oh, who? Oh, it's been found over here. But you're right. Having River drop out of the scene at the same time, that would be, you're right. Yeah, and you're thinking with the adult mind. Right? Yes, I am. <laughs> you know, of like, just leave it, you know. It's got a flat tire. It has no spare. Take the keys, lock it up, and just go. Um, but, no, they decide to torch it, and they're going to hop in the van with Jan, Kurt, and Trixie. And where they go to next is they, they Jan, Kurt, and Trixie takes, take them to a party at where they are drinking and doing drugs. And in fact, I think the, I think River is uh, snorting lines of cocaine. It's a pretty crazy scene as a, t- you know, thinking about it as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So this so, is rated PG. I'm sorry. Bad <laughs> comment here. It's not it's not bad up until this point, but this is where things start to I think kind of diverge. So we, we see River sitting on the couch with Kurt and, and River is as I think Kurt inquires about, you know, what what's what's the deal with River and so River tells him right about you know, he had a loving dad and, you know, he loves his mom, but his dad died of cancer and the stepdad came into the picture and he basically ruined his life. Um, and that, uh, you know, I can't recall if he talks about Frank, but there's, you know, like, an, I think he alludes to that, you know, they're in some kind of relationship. Um, we do see uh, Frank have a uh, kiss with Trixie, um, which will come back later, which River does see and gets upset about. 
uh, where we know where we now know that um, Frank is at, at the minimum bisexual, mm-hmm. but I think he's just kind of exploring his identity. Yeah, just go with the flow, what feels good. Um, which obviously would be very hard um, for River because as we progress through the story, it's very clear that he's in love with Frank. Mm-hmm. But Frank doesn't feel this quite feel the same way, at least not yet. Um, the cops come to uh, to break up the party, and our crew jump in the van, and they're off. And the cops are chasing them. And at the same time, we see what I could only describe as like a light being and a dark being fighting in outer space. It's a struggle for good and evil. We don't get any dialogue from either of these two cosmic beings that are fighting in space. One, you know, we're, I mean, I'm guessing one you're clearly meant to think of as the light who's good. And the other one who has kind of a, skeleton type appearance is presented in purples and dark colors. So you're kind of led to believe that, you know, this one's good and one's bad. I don't know if you thought the same thing, John. Uh, I'm trying to see what page you're on. I didn't see that page at all in my book. Are you at the, sorry about that guys. Hold on a moment. Are they numbered? No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Is this right before the the something happens or somewhere else? Well, we see the meteor. So okay, so I'll just go forward. So the um, it's after the the couple pages after we have the uh, meteor hitting the van. So um, as the the um, I'll, I'll probably use interchangeably the crew or the kids are fleeing or being pursued by the police. Oh yeah, that okay. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt gets Kurt gets the bright idea that he's going to swerve in front of a car, causing the car to have a head-on collision with the police officer who's following them, so that they can get away. This is the first time where I really was like, Ugh. I that didn't sit well with me, like. I get that we're supposed to, you know, just kind of go with the flow of these characters of like, you know, they're just wild and crazy trying to find themselves. But I'm like, never in a million years would, you know, I think it's okay for someone to swerve in front of oncoming traffic and swerve out of the way at the last second Mm -hmm. so that the car oncoming cars has a head on collision with the police car. Yeah. That's only okay in James Bond movies. (laughs) As long as it's the bad guys that head on collision, this, you know, yeah, I, that was pretty, like, wow. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was. <laughs> I did the wow. Jeez, this is it, like hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was my thought. It was like, man, this guy, he has no boundaries. You know, like anything is on the table for him. Um, but that's how they get away. But their, their getaway is short lived because we see the van. And following right behind it is this ball of fire, which we find out is a meteor, and it strikes the van, blows blows the heck out of the van. And that leads into the next issue, where then we see these two um, cosmic beings 
fighting in space, and one is that golden light color, and mm-hmm. one is a purple, black, you know, very inky, dark color. I'm assuming it was a good and evil type battle, but their battle is what caused the meteor to head towards Earth that ultimately ended up hitting the kids. Um, so you would assume that they, of course, are all dead. Um, they're not. Um, well, one of them is. Um, but slowly, over the course of a few pages, um, you know, like River starts to fly, and then Frank is flying, and Kurt is flying. Um, Jan has some kind of um, time manipulation powers uh, because she's actually dead. Uh, but then as they're, you know, mourning her loss, she starts talking and rewinds time. And brings herself back mm-hmm. to life. Uh, and Trixie, I'm not sure what Trixie's power, other than she just has the same powers as the other guys. Yeah, they're not well defined. I mean, at this point, we kind of get an idea of what they might be as we go along. Yep, and uh, much like the short-lived getaway within minutes, you know, as they're all kind of like, oh, my gosh, we're still alive. And why do we what's going on? Why are we flying? Um, a special ops group <laughs> descends on them. They were tracking the meteor um, and they descend on them. Uh, and. They're quickly dispatched. So it's I think it was Trixie, right, that just kind of exploded out. Mm hmm. And, and killed everybody, killed all, well, we're led to believe that they're all dead. We'll find out later that's not the case, but she explodes out and sends all of their bullets plus her powers flying back at them and kills all the special ops guys. They're all dead. Like brutally. <laughs> brutally, yes, and it is depicted in the book. There's blood and gore. Um, and they're trails. gone. And trails. So, um, no van now. They've got these powers. They leave. Um, they're walking along the train tracks. They're broke. They have no money at all. And they decide that they're going to, you know, because they have these powers now, that they're going to rob an armored truck. Right? Seems like, you know, in, in their mind, the right thing to do. <laughs> Let's go rob an armored truck. We need money. We got special powers. We're going to go rob this truck. Uh and so the book then switches to these two armored truck drivers are talking about life. The one has got a baby on the way and the other one's kind of ribbing him. And um, I think it was either Kurt or River um, is standing in the street. The armored truck driver doesn't see him in time and they slam head on into him. So this is another, as John said, you know, their powers are undefined. Well, we find out that they're Superman like because the armor truck slams into him and it's destroyed. The front end is destroyed and our character does not move at all. The uh, two armored car uh, uh, employees, they're dead uh, and they rob the armor truck and they use the cash, of course, to what? Party. Buy a Mustang. Yeah. (laughs) Buy a classic Mustang. Uh, With slight fire damage. Nope. So, of course, they take their cash, and they're going to go party, and they go off drinking and doing drugs at a club. And as you can imagine, 
it goes about as well as you could expect. Have I, have I missed anything so far, John? Mm -mm. No, it's just, a, and a lot of it is they don't know what what's happening to them, and so they don't know how to, like, pull their punches, really. So that's why we're getting some of these extreme things, like with Trixie and the armored truck, is uh, they probably mean, I just want them to st shut up or stop, but they don't know what's how to measure it, so that's why it's so extreme. Yeah, and I don't think, I'll have to flip back in the book, but I don't think whether it was River or Kurt that was standing in front of their arm, I don't think their intention was to kill them. Mm -hmm. It was to stop the truck. Yeah. But because they're so strong, like I said, I mean, the character doesn't move and the truck is wrapped around them, you know, the front end. It's, to you know, total, and that's what leads to the death of the, the two armored car people. So at the party, as more drinking and drugs are uh, are being consumed and flowing, um, we see Frank and Trixie again. And um, turns out Frank doesn't like to drink because his family has a history with alcohol, um, or at least we're led to believe that because he says he doesn't want to drink, but then he says, you know, the heck with it, and he takes a drink. And um, I think it's Trixie gives him, you know, some molly or some drug that, um, was the same drug that he was on when he kissed her at the house party that started this whole thing. Um, and they go into what I'm sure was a lovely environment to have sex. Um, they go into the bathroom, and we see Frank going down on Trixie, and then they're full on having sex. And, of course, who walks into the bathroom to see all of this? Um, River. Mm-hmm. And okay, so it's an R-rated book. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> R. Yeah, you don't you don't see explicit, you know, an R R rating is probably a good good way to say it. You don't explicitly see anything. Um, you know, it's it's shown, but you know, there's no genitalia. I'll put it that way. But so it's River still Street. not nighttime reading for David's children. <laughs> no, no, not no, bedtime no. stories for this. <laughs> not until they're what what thirty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, my, my daughter still won't be dating by then, so I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, so River walks into the scene, and he flies off the handle. And he goes through the club. And originally I thought, um, because well, the scene that we see is a guy bumps into him, you know, does the shoulder bump thing, you know, like, hey, you know, watch it, bro. And River beats the crap out of this guy and kills him. Uh bad and we find out later that he actually killed several people on his way out mm -hmm. um which was sh you know told not shown but we only know about the one guy but cl clearly he killed other people in his rage at seeing frank and trixie together um in fact he goes straight through the wall of the club he just leaves um That was hard to see, you know, as the reader, because it's you're starting to now understand this relationship between River and Frank. And, and like I said before, how much River cares for Frank. But Frank, at least again, up until this point, doesn't either doesn't acknowledge it or doesn't understand how much River is in love with him. Uh, because. Clearly, what happened at the house party was not enough for him to, you know, kind of stop and go, oh, 
you know, like mm-hmm. he cares for me a lot. I shouldn't be doing these things, or maybe I need to be more upfront with him that, you know, I'm not ready for a relationship. But anyway, I kind of, I blame Frank for that completely. You know, it's not right what River did after, but knowing the emotional states of these characters, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. And it just shows you the teenage angst and, and especially with, in, uh, you know, queer youth today, you know, it's just finding that, what, what does that mean? And exploring sexuality and what, you know, what is right for me type of stuff. So it's, I think the book is doing, uh, the art or the uh, creators are kind of doing a good job about showing that turmoil and angst that people feel uh, while they're, while they're uh, growing, discovering themselves, <laughs> growing, yeah. discovering themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm sure everyone yeah. goes through it in whatever sexuality they, <laughs> right. they have, you know, it's just like, oh, no. Yeah. And really that's, the, that's kind of the thing I took away and, you know, not to jump ahead to the end, but really nothing that happens in this book is like either, like really straight or really gay or really queer, or, you know, really less, whatever you want to say, it's, it's the relationships between the characters mm-hmm. that cause these things to happen. Yeah. And so, as John said, you know, River being a young teenage male, you know, seeing the person that he loves, I mean, you know, having sex with this person, whether it had been a boy or a girl, you know, you can imagine how just as a normal teenager, you would react. Mm-hmm. He probably would have got his and we're keeping, you know, we want to get an explicit rating on iTunes, but he would have probably gotten his butt beat by the guy that shoulder checked him in the club. But because he has these powers, yeah, you know, he destroyed him and, you know, killed him and killed others you know, because he was in that emotional mm-hmm. rage state. Um. The book doesn't linger there long because right then, right after that, we flash back to the special ops team that was decimated by Trixie, and turns out John Thunder, who's the leader of the special ops group, he didn't die. And the, the book even mentions, like, what does it say, like discount bin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, um, Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he does look a little bit like Nick Fury, you know, but he's just more portlier. Um, we see Thunder is saved. You know, he's rushed to the hospital and, you know, is being treated. And while he's in the, the hospital, um, he sees a broadcast of our kids or the crew robbing the armored truck. And he immediately recognizes them, of course, um, because at, at that point, the news broadcast you know, saying we don't know if this is real, if it's a prank or a publicity thing for a movie. Sorry, I'm um, Siri. Um, they didn't know what to make of it because it was so surreal, right? That this person, you know, the truck slams into him. It's wrapped around the character. They rip, you know, the doors off, take the money, fly away. You know, as you would expect, people would be like, is that really real? But he knows right away. And he tells the person that's there with him, um, to put together another team and they're going after these kids. Yeah, I imagine that was either the smoking man or Scully or Mulder. <laughs> uh, so we leave Don Thunder and now we flash back to how River and Frank met. 
So remember, up to this point, we, we haven't been shown this. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just been led to believe that they've been, you know, at least friends or together for a while. And we see um, Frank, a younger, slightly younger Frank, meeting River at a party. River says, you know, you know, introduces himself. You're in my English class. Um, you know, do you remember me? And you know, Frank kind of plays it off like, no, I don't know. And then, you know, he's just ribbing him. They start to talk. And, you know, one thing leads to another. And Frank decides to go with River up to kind of his makeout point. This is the best way I could describe it. <laughs> well, I kind of um, get the feeling it's not necessarily a makeout point. He just likes to hang out there and look at the sunset. And uh, and it just turned into a makeout point. Which is the same cliff that we saw at the beginning. Yeah. And um, Frank mm -hmm. and River have sex. Becomes way more than making out. Yes. Yes. Becomes way we see, we see River's head going down on Frank, um, and we just you know what's funny is we just get one panel and we've got one boy on top of the other. This was my second thing in the book where I'm going, okay, um, I know there's more involved in it than that, but okay, I'll let it slide. <laughs> you know? um, did but you, yeah, so they did you play slide on me by Frank Ocean while you were watch, reading that page? <laughs> You know, I'm glad you brought that up. So throughout this book, we get little um, like editor's notes that say this song by this artist. And I meant to go back and read like one passage with that song going. Yeah. You know, to see if it enhances my reading experience. But what, what did you think of that, John? I mean, I, did you look up any of the songs or was it just like, oh, I, okay. I intended to as well, but the weekend got away from me, so I wasn't able to to go back. But I will because I think it's a really interesting uh, concept, a, a great way to enhance the book, and obviously it was important to the creator. So uh, I, I want to go in and and check it out just to see what it's like uh, with what they have in mind. Yeah, I'm curious if the song, you know, like that's playing during the nightclub scene, you know, where, where, um, Frank has sex with Trixie, you know, like, is it, is it like a party song? You know, like, is it a, is it a thumper? Or um, unts, 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 yeah, unts. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. See, um, we could do that all night. We don't even have to, um, get any, uh, permissions. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So we get their backstory and then we're jumping forward and Frank, um, finds River, because remember, River busted out of this club, and he took off. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously, none of the other crew know where he's going, but Frank does, or at least has an idea. He finds River at, you know, and I put in quotes, at their spot. So I, I think Frank knew, because of River's emotional state, you know, uh, there was a high probability that he would go back to that spot, and he did. Um, they talk. And they're trying to kind of patch things up. And guess who shows up to break up the party? Yeah. Don Thunder <laughs> with his, you know, new um, special ops team that he has put together to go, you know, hunt these kids down. How does he know where they're at? I thought they were on their way to California. So to hear them go back to their spot or their, their sunset view. 
It's like, whoa, did they just go in a giant circle or did they never leave town? It's not it's not really explained. I don't think they got very far is 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 how I read it. Yeah, it's either that or it's a spot, uh, just a high spot overlooking a city that Frank would think that's where River would go, just to a high overlooking cliff. So if they are in a different place, and yeah, we don't know where they are because it doesn't really give us that kind of a timeline. No. Uh, but the the it looks a little bit different, so maybe it's not, I, but it could be the same. And I don't know how he tracked them down. He might have tracked the carnage. You know, you hear about... Uh, right. A bunch of people in a nightclub, uh, but how he found them at exactly that high spot, I don't know. Um, that's where we suspend belief for the storytelling of a comic book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just assume that he, you know, had his special ops people, you know, on you know, some kind of high alert for radar and then also news stories. You know, so, you, you know, to John's point, you hear, you know, some guy murdered a bunch of people in a nightclub barehanded and then busted the wall. That's probably a pretty good indication that it's, you know, the kids that you're looking for. Um, at the same time that uh, Thunder shows up and confronts Frank and River, um, we see Kurt and Trixie are debating if they're going to go help. Remember, because Frank left, he knew or had an idea of where River was, and Kurt and Trixie are debating whether they're going to go help, um, uh, you know, because Kurt wants to go help, and you know, eventually Trixie decides that she's going to come help too. Uh, they do find them, and we see a battle between River and Frank versus the special ops people. Um, and it it gets chaotic really fast. Yeah, no. I I was of the belief that because if you go back to the original meeting between Don Thunder, the special ops people, and the kids. He wasn't there to capture them. He was there to kill them. And I think the same holds true for this meeting because the special ops people, before Trixie exploded in her power, they were shooting bullets. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to tranquilize them or net them or some, something like that. They were just going to straight up kill them. And the same is, is what's playing out on the cliff here. Yeah. Uh, the battle goes, uh, and, and it's also um, to note here, Frank has been shot by Thunder. Yes, so good, good catch. Um, yes, yeah, so Frank, Frank is injured, um, and this sends River off the deep end, and he turns into what I could only describe uh, as the same type of looking person as the light entity that we saw in space because he just turns into this giant light entity flames. And, you know, you're, as you're reading this, you're going, yep, they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what we don't know is what's going to happen after. And so we flash forward three months. The book explicitly tells us that, that it's been three months and Trixie finds Frank and Frank is on, I would call it like a deserted island, right? He was just sitting there by himself. He said that was the only place he could find basically peace or solace. Mm -hmm. um, and they discuss what happened at the battle and River's death. Uh, 
Trixie then tells Frank that there are others who got powers from the meteor um, all over the world. And we're, you know, presented with a bunch of panels of, you know, kids flying. Um, and her and Jan, who we find out Jan could kind of open doorways to different places, too. So not only does she have this, like, time ability, she can open doorways to places. And she opens a doorway to what looks like two pyramids connected and, you know, some kind of architectural piece. And and uh, Frank asks her, you know, like, what's that? And that's, you know, she says that's our base. Um and her and Jan are going to form a team to go and get the other people with powers and, and help them. Basically, what we're seeing here at the end of the book is the kids have done some growing up. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to have what happened to them happen to these other uh, people who got powers. And so they want to try and help them. And that's where the book ends. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get more youth um but that's it so it leaves it open-ended um clearly you know the writer wrote it in such a way that you know if they want to revisit this this universe they can they can pick up with completely different characters from really anywhere in the world because it was all over all over Mm -hmm. the place yeah and that's it. So, so this has been collected in a, a trade then? Yes. And how many issues was it originally? Four. Okay. But clearly four pretty meaty um, digital issues because, like I said, I think this is probably, you know, between 140 and 160 pages. I mean, I'm just guessing based on the size of it. Um, like I said at the at the uh, intro, it, it's about an hour read. Uh you know, kind of in closing comments for me, I liked it. Um, this was one of the few times I got some time because, of course, I told my wife, I said, hey, I got to, you know, I've got some homework to do for our, our podcast. And I just went right through it. You know, um, I didn't ever feel that the story wasn't moving forward. In some ways, I felt like it was moving too fast. You know, like I would have liked to have spent some more time with River and Frank um, at the beginning of them getting to know each other, I'd like to understand more about um, River's life and Frank's life because they, I mean, they really are our main characters. The others are all just supporting uh, and what kind of led them right to that day of, you know what, we're just going to steal right River stepdad's car and just go. Mm-hmm. Um because that's really never explained other than just kind of, uh, as I, as I talked about, you know, the, the different characters, um, places in the world, you know, when we're introduced to them, but I liked it, you know, um, the art is, it's not distracting to me. Um, you know, it supports the story. I, I really, and John, I disagree on this. I know already, but, um, I feel like the writing carries this one a little more um, than what we usually see today, which is the art carrying the book. So, you know, out of, out of like a four star, I'd say I'd give it at least a three, three and a half. And I would definitely recommend, you know, if you're interested in a, a non-traditional, you know, story that involves teenagers who get powers, 
um, but isn't it isn't dumbed down and it's not sanitized in any way. Um, youth is a is a good one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that the writing doesn't carry the story. I just think, and it's not like some books where it's just all artwork, you know, splash page after splash page. And, you know, uh, I, I think the writing is really incredibly well done. And I think it really morphs well with the artwork. I think the artwork tells a lot of the story that, that um, Perez wrote and I think it was a really great collaboration because there's so many things that weren't needed that we didn't need words for because the artwork right. told it so well. So the writing and the art are very synonymous here. They're very uh, integral to each other to make it happen. I mean, if you were to strip all of the words out, you could still understand what was going on here. And But that's because uh, the artist had such a great script to go from or such a great concept to go with so yeah it's it's all it's all together and um i, I liked it because uh, you know you 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 know i really appreciate you um cluing me into this because um one thing that i like is that it doesn't focus heavily on on the uh sexuality or or that stuff this just happened right. to a bunch of people and a couple of them are queer and that that's that's the way life is nowadays i mean right there, there's all there's people everywhere and, and it just happens to them and and yeah and they went from being kids you know screwing around and having drugs and you know hating the world and everything to getting these incredible powers and then accidentally killing people killing people in a rage on purpose you know whatever and then realizing that <laughs> And here we go. With great powers come great responsibility, right? right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. some, and they grow up. And it's a really, it's a coming of age book, really, isn't it? Uh, which is really cool. Uh, and I liked it That's, a lot. Yeah, I, I would definitely like to see more. I was sad at the end that River yeah. and Kurt died, and that uh, that Frank is really contemplating a lot. He's he's sequestering himself to keep to really figure out who he is and what he wants to do. Yeah, so has it been Frank that's been uh, the narrator telling yes. the story? That's yeah, that's so who it seems, yes. And at first I yeah. thought it was River. So did I. <laughs> yeah, and, and let you know, Kirk, you bring that bring that up because I, I did tease it at the beginning. Um, I believe it is Frank. I think John said he believes it's Frank. I I think both of us originally thought it was River to begin with. Um, and again, that kind of goes along with the the non traditional storytelling because you would think in a four issue series um you know they're going to kill off you know one of the main characters and a supporting character heck yeah they do um uh, you know and in fact rivers killed off screen like we don't even see his death we're just told that he died mm -hmm. in in the battle with the special ops group and we don't know if kurt for sure is dead but john and i were talking about it a little bit before the show started because i went back when i was looking at my notes and i went back and was like do we see Kurt? And we don't after the battle. So I don't know if, if he for sure is dead, but he definitely doesn't show up after the battle. And we saw him caught in the explosion. Yes. From that, whatever, that fireball that came 
because uh, it was uh, River and Kurt were there, and then they were both caught. We see two the silhouettes of two bodies, and then we see one emerge and say, you know, take him, Trixie, get out of here. And, and so we assume that's River saying, uh, standing there uh, to fight the team, and and then we don't we don't we just assume River's gone. However, you mean they did it. <laughs> Yeah, River, I think, burned up, essentially. Like, he, he used all of his powers to um, dispatch the special ops group, you know, to, um, and again, this goes back to the rage that we've seen, this emotional rage uh, from River throughout the book. Again, because he's a young, young guy. Um, as John pointed out, you know, Frank is shot. I think River, you know, overreacted and that's where we see him kind of burn up in this um what is that cartoon manga where the power level 3000 or 9000 or whatever <laughs> dragon ball z it's mm -hmm. kind of like that like he just is you know flame and power and light uh and and yeah so yeah river is dead. We don't know the whereabouts of Kurt. It's not mentioned after that. Uh, but I, I do want to pick up on what you said, John, that the other characters, the supporting cast in this, they just accept River and Frank as they are. You know, they rib them throughout the, the book, but it doesn't focus on, you know, their relationship or really even dwell on it at all. It just, it is what it is. And I did like that because I think when some of the big two have tried to have a story that is uh, LGBT friendly uh, or with a character um, that's gay or queer, it it becomes like, you know, like that's their thing. It's and, the focus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really distracting because that's not how it is in real life. Um, so, yeah, I just like that. This, these are, you know, you just accept them as the characters that they are. Yep, yeah. It's a really good book. I like it. Um, and I highly recommend it as well. Uh, I think it's a great book for um, Pride Month. And uh, it's definitely not burn art. Um, so Brian and Tim, that's our prerequisite mention of burn to make this a third degree burn worthy <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, but it's a really great style. I think it really fits the story. And, and the color choices actually kind of help you set the mood of what you were discussing. The flashbacks were like in full brighter colors. Uh, the current stories were generally in more muted and darker uh, tones. Uh, right. So, yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, I don't envy the colorist because a lot of this book takes place at night yeah. or in, in dark areas. So, I mean, that's, that is not an easy thing for the colorist to do, um, you know, compared to the daytime. And really, I was looking, I flipped that through the book. There's only two times I think we have daytime. That's in the the uh, the armored truck robbery. And then, um, you know, really, I mean, there's a couple pages here and there with uh, Don Thunder recovery. And then the very end. Mm-hmm. And that's it. The rest of the book is all taking place at night or in nightclubs and, you know, or in dark environments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, excellent book choice. I, yeah, I liked it. 
Well, I will continue to keep my eye out um, for these, you know, diverse stories. Like I said, you know, it caught my eye in the solicits. Again, you know, not as, uh, as someone that doesn't, you know, read digital um, first comics. Um, when this popped up, I was like, huh, that sounds interesting. And that's really part of the barometer, right, is, you know, is it is it interesting? And, and um, you know, I saw a couple of preview pages and, and thought, yeah, that looks pretty good. So hey, uh, uh, with that, before you do, I just caught something. I'm looking at the very, very first page of the graphic novel, and guess what it says? Volume one. Oh. So maybe we will get more. So uh, he must have some more on the horizon. Yeah. Excellent. That's a good catch, because typically Dark Horse or Image, if they know it's a self-contained story and there's not going to be any more, they won't put that on there. Mm-hmm. So I guess we will get we will revisit the youth universe at some point again. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think it's gonna be fun. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the journey here as as we've talked about youth and in in uh, celebration of Pride Month here in June, which is rapidly coming to an end. I can't believe how fast this month has gone by. Uh, but we wanted to do something special, and I'm glad I got to share it with John and and with uh, Kirk. Thank and, uh, you. I'm almost to the bottom of my bowl of popcorn here. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, if you want to go out and find it, it is called Youth. It is published by Dark Horse Comics. It came out at the end of March. Um, you should be able to find it, you know, anywhere online. Uh, of course, you can visit uh, thecomicfair.com and go to our store. Uh, maybe I'll shoot a link over to whoever's going to post it and then Third Degree Burn, and I'll link right to to this particular comic um, and check it out yourself. Um, read, read something that's a little different, but uh, definitely enjoyable. Um, I do want to close this out with one comment, John, what would you think about this? Cause I, I meant to ask this earlier, but halfway through, I kept thinking this could be a movie. Mm, I think it would make a nice short series. I would mm. like to see it done. In, in the installment similar to the to the issues that we got, I think it would run well, but not a long drawn out one. <laughs> <laughs> like one of those Netflix, you know, six or eight episode things. Not, not. I think that's too long. I think they could definitely do it in maybe six. So if that if that helps you at all, it, it definitely has a cinematic quality. Yes. It, yeah. Um, in its pacing, so. Um, with that, uh, we are going to end it. Uh, it was a short one. Uh, it was just fun to get together and, and have this conversation. Uh, so with that, um, we'll see you later, John. Hey, good night. Good night, everyone. Good night, Kirk. Good night, David. <laughs> good night, Kirk. Good night, all. I hope you have a good evening. Bye-bye. Is it possible to two youths? Uh, to what? Uh, what was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say utes? Yeah, two utes. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. 
That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gotta get burned at gmail.com that's g-o-t-t-a-g-e-t-b-y-r-n-e-d at gmail.com drop us a line and tell us how we're doing till next time this has been third degree burn some men aren't looking for anything logical like money they can't be bought bullied reasoned or negotiated with some men just want to watch the world